Um, welcome. Welcome to one foot on the ground. This is actually. Oh, uh, this is Johnny. <laughs> and today is Terror Tuesday. Double feature. We will be featuring The Shining from 1980. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, The Beyond from 1981. Yes. But then was also released in 1983. There's oh. a... Yeah, anytime I ever, like, tried to, like, pull it up to watch it, like, on like on Shutter, my Shutter is connected to my Amazon account. So, because I was a fool and I thought that it would uh, stream it on my devices, and it does not. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it would say 19, 1983, but I hmm. think that's just, you know, the U.S. release. Oh, yeah, I was saying, because this is, would this technically have, well, we have, we have, I guess we can get into that later, but it, would it be technically a, an Italian film? It's by an Italian director, for sure. Okay, because all the, when I watched it, all the credits were in Italian. Yeah, same. But they're definitely okay. in Louisiana. So I guess it's... Yeah, uh, and they spoke But it's English, an Italian so film. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so I guess we can get started with... Uh, the Shining. The Shining from 1980, which I am so excited about because you finally watched this film. <laughs> I did. I watched it for the first time. Actually, all the movies we have, like all of our double features... Neither of us have seen the other person's pick. Oh, yeah. Except that's true. for um, Peeping Tom, which I think I had you watch a little, like yes. a, month, a couple of months ago. Yeah. At the start of quarantine, I was like, John, you've got to see this. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, a Peeping Tom is the only exception. Yep. But um, so, where do I even begin? First of all, before I even go any further, and I totally forgot about this until just now. Latera. Did you watch the trailer for The Shining? No. Oh, Was I supposed God to? Dang it. Yes. I meant to tell you that. Because um, Stanley Kubrick didn't do trailers like everybody else did. His okay. were always, well, not always, but for the most part, they were freaking cool. Uh, <laughs> actually, maybe it was starting with The Shining where it got cool. And then from then on, his trailers are just great but um it, the trailer for the shining is the elevator doors opening and blood coming out right and rushing towards the camera mm -hmm. and which you do see in the film but yeah plenty of times yeah it's an extended version of that where the camera doesn't move the blood goes all the way up covers the lens and then drops down and then you see the blood you know receding and the furniture is all fucked up and it's glorious. It is so amazing. And of course, everything after the blood rushes to the camera, it's all red after that. So it's like a red filter, but obviously it's just blood. But, uh, and it has a piece of music by Wendy Carlos in the trailer that's not in the film. And it uses the same scrolling that the opening credits of The Shining did. So it says like, you know, Stanley Kubrick production. Yeah, those opening credits, they were very um 
playing. <laughs> well, they were also, because Stanley Kubrick did not do scrolling credits like ever. Even his end credits have never scrolling credits. So it was weird that the only time he uses scrolling credits was the opening credits of one of his films. <laughs> yeah, like, but also <laughs> the opening credits were so long. <laughs> I was like, were. I get it. It's a far away. <laughs> well, but I also loved that he he did that because he really puts you in that place. He isolates you, but he also gives you something beautiful to look at for one thing. Because it's right. a beautiful opening. The aerial shots are fantastic. And the music by Wendy Carlos is gorgeous for that opening sequence. I love that opening sequence. Um, and in fact, we didn't... Well, you haven't seen it yet, but Dr. Sleep, and I'm not giving anything away here, but mm -hmm. Dr. Sleep opens up almost exactly the same. Like you can hear the Wendy Carlos music kick on and you see the island at the very opening of the shining credits. And then it, I think it cuts and goes to something else. But I was like, as soon as I started Doctor Sleep, I was like, oh, I'm gonna like this. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I'm gonna like this, this is gonna be great. Um, but when I started Doctor Sleep the first time, I turned it off and started watching The Shining because I wanted to, I was like, oh no, I have to watch The Shining now. You know, I've seen it a million times. Um, but yeah, the opening credits, um, and I have a lot to say, I'm sorry. I have a lot to say about this film. So I'm going to try to say <laughs> as much as I possibly can <laughs> in our time frame. But um, the opening credits was also, uh, Stanley didn't personally photograph those scenes. He had a second unit go and do it for him because he was in England, obviously. And uh, when he, this is a funny story about later. What, so when Ridley Scott had to recut Blade Runner years later, um, well, not a, a couple years later, um he needed aerial photography of woods or something i can't remember i've never seen that version of it so i have no idea what it is but um i've only ever seen the director's cut i've never seen the theatrical cut of blade runner so i don't know what he's talking about but uh anyway so he asked stanley Kubrick, he's like hey you filmed the shining did all that aerial photography like do you have any footage that i can use for this and stanley basically sent him a box of film reels and he just had a note on the top of it says, just don't use anything I used in my film. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's so freaking cool. Um, but this film actually, when it's, it, I think nowadays it's kind of obsolete because unless you have an old copy of the DVD, I don't think the original Blu-ray, I think the first time it ever came on Blu-ray, they matted it. But on VHS and on the original DVDs, when Stanley was alive, it was released in full frame. So it took off the matting that you would have had in the theater. Right. So, and with that, you got to see uh, some mistakes, which were always fun to see in a Stanley Kubrick film because there aren't any. Mm -hmm. So when you see one, you're like, oh, look at that. Like you see the blades of the chopper at the top of the frame for right. a couple of the scenes. And you also see, um, the shadow of the helicopter going across one of the mountains but when it's matted you don't see either one of those things which i was kind of upset about i was like damn it i like seeing those yeah the version i watched was um was widescreen and that's not to say it's stanley kubrick always he like he always frames things big yeah. like his like bigger than they have any business beautiful. being you know yeah. like it's just always like a lot 
to look at. Well, I also, he was also a filmmaker that came from making films specifically for theaters and specifically large format films. So like, right. you know, Spartacus 2001, all these things, they're projected on huge screens. So he knew how to use a screen beautifully if it's projected like that on your normal televisions nowadays you're not going to get the same effect i have seen the, the shining in a theater and it was fucking amazing in the theater um especially when you get to see like the reflection in the window behind uh the hotel dude i can't remember his name now holloway mm, something like that I was going to like, say that. Like the cook or the, no, the no, dude not who used to be the caretaker? Grady? No, 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 not Grady. At the very beginning for the interview. When he's being interviewed. Oh. And he goes into that office. Mm-hmm. You can see the reflection of the, the film crew. In the, but oh. only but yeah. only on a theater screen. I, you've, you can't see it on even on the I Blu-ray. really liked that shot. I really liked how they like he pushed in to the room. But it was still like... I don't know. It's still just like a solid frame. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, that we're going to talk about that for sure. The 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 camera work for this film mm-hmm. because it was something that had never really been done before. And this is the thing about Stanley is like he always does these things that nobody had ever done before with photography, which is one of the best reasons to watch his films. Is you're you're always seeing something exciting from a photography standpoint you're not just seeing like oh he just filmed it whatever it's like he found this thing that he could use and he's like ooh, i want to use like you know like um when he was working with nasa and uh for 2001 like for research purposes and then for barry linden he used zeiss lenses uh to film barry linden because of the low lighting so it would let in as much light as possible for his candlelit scenes so he could naturally light all the, the, the scenes. But he had to use a Zeiss lens because it was able to pick up stars in space. Like, you know, <laughs> he, he did things that nobody had ever done before with photography. And this one was one of them because he used a Steadicam extensively for the very first time. It had only been used in one other film before this. And it, I can't remember what the film was, but it was a long hallway shot of some sort and he had seen it and he contacted the man who invented the steadicam and he's like uh dude you gotta come and film my movie and the dude that actually invented steadicam is the one that photographed the whole thing like he was in the harness the whole time so and if you don't know what a steadicam is do you know what a steadicam is yes I i would think that you would but it's to explain it to people it's like um originally anyway it was a harness that you would wear like the person that actually has the camera you'd wear this harness and the camera was um attached to the harness but it was with a bunch of um what do you call it like uh springs and yeah uh, it's it's a stabilized handheld setup yeah, so when it's moving, it has a weight on the yeah. camera. I mean, the camera itself is heavy, but it has a weight below the, the camera bottom. so that when it's on the the springs and everything that's suspended the camera, um, the weight is going to keep it grounded so that when you're walking through something, it's not going to be jerky like a handheld camera. It's going to be 
smooth and it's going to kind of glide around kind of so it looks like it's basically like it's flying sort of um yeah and he used this i mean like nutso in this movie <laughs> and you really get to see how amazing his set was for this film because of that like you're going into back hallways and stuff like that throughout the whole movie and it's like we take it for granted today but if you had seen that in 1980 when you had never seen anything like that and you're like what like following around danny on the on the tricycle thing or whatever the, the big wheel um that was something you would have never seen before it's like oh this is so fucking creepy it's so crazy <laughs> um yeah yeah and it's um like they shot in the real hotel right or the hotel no, no, no. that no. Oh, okay it, no, was it was such all a fake. big hotel. I was like, oh, certainly they like either did something with the like, like what was it, the Stanley Hotel? That no, the the hotel used for the exterior aerial shots is real. Okay. Um, it's in oh, crap. I have a postcard of it. Um, I it's in Colorado, exactly isn't it? Where. I think it's in Colorado. Yeah. But isn't that where the film takes place? Right, and I think it's also where the book takes place. I can't remember exactly. Well, anyway, whatever. Um, but the the hotel that they use as a visual for the exterior is real, but the yeah, interior... it's still in, it's still in Colorado. Oh, it is okay. Yeah. What is it called? The Stanley Hotel. No, 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 not that one. They didn't. That's not the one they used. The, the right. Stanley Hotel was the inspiration for the original book that Stephen King right. stayed in. Um, right. But that's not the hotel that's in the film. Oh, well, like, then visually. what's the overlook for The Shining? I can't remember the name of it. Okay. But I, I want to say it's not even in Colorado. Maybe Montana? I should know this right off the top of my head, but I don't. <laughs> I feel like an idiot. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. What kind of Stanley Kubrick <laughs> nerd am I? God. Um, anyway, besides that. So, yeah, the exteriors, like I said, were inspired by the aerial shot version that you see. But then um, the set was built at, what, Shepperton Studios, I believe, in England. Um, so the interior of the hotel is all built for the film. Uh, and then part of the exterior was also built um, where you see them walking, you know, like Shelley Duvall and all them. Um, I'm still a little fuzzy on whether or not he had two exterior sets because I know the maze, the interior of the maze, maybe that was what it was. The interior of the maze is indoors. It's not outdoors. So that whole end sequence when they're running around there all that's indoors and it's actually built right off the hotel like if you've seen the behind the scenes um they walk from the hotel like some back you know part of the thing where it goes off into the the back lot basically and then they just walk into the maze and it's like oh weird <laughs> it's like Ooh, that's creepy um anyway so but yeah the whole interior was uh, made for the film and it was designed obviously per Stanley Kubrick's specifications so all those carpets and like all that was chosen specifically for the film 
so that he'd have like a palette that was specific. <clears throat> um, anyway, what? Oh, we should tell people what this film's about. We didn't even do that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's about a a, um, a recovering alcoholic who takes on a caretaker gig at a hotel that is closed for a few months during winter because it's a harsh winter and nobody can come up. And uh, while they're there, spooky shit happens. And the movie, because um, I read the book, but I had, hadn't watched the movie. The movie definitely didn't go into the specifics of uh, the kid as much. Like It seemed like the movie was more centered around Jack, where the book was more centered around Danny. Yeah. Um, so, like, I guess... Like, one of the problems in the hotel is that, like, it wanted Danny because Danny has The Shining. Mm -hmm. um, but to get to Danny, they were going to, like, bone over his dad because his dad is, uh, he was susceptible. I guess, susceptible yeah. um, and easily manipulated. And so throughout the film, they are, the hotel is trying to um, take, take Jack. Take Jack, yeah. get, him in, get him in their grasps and uh, convince Jack to... Uh, Kill his family, I guess. Heck yeah. Yeah. Get it, girl. <laughs> yeah, just like the last caretaker, which, by the way, like, the how long was the previous caretaker caretaking this hotel before he, like, murdered his wife and daughters? I don't know. I don't think they mentioned it. I mean, if we're going to speak for the overall entity i guess because you know jack has always been the caretaker um that was not the right yeah accent, what does but... that mean <laughs> God, like he was in the photo at the end but it was like was it i i just assumed that because jack died at the hotel he was then permanently a part of the hotel yeah right like and he was then woven into, into their... the history of the hotel yeah yeah um that's what i always got out of that um yeah like he like he's just trapped in a portrait like uh yeah. <laughs> witches like in the witches yeah um you've always been the caretaker like i mean mm -hmm. i i think that was part of the the thing was that and also probably the ghost just trying to convince him that he was part of this and he needed to care for the hotel over his family basically i guess well yeah yeah that's definitely like the hotel like getting its like slimy little fingers like all up mushing inside like his brain oh yeah and, uh, and, and he little, had and the brain folds. for it because he was kind of a an asshole and an idiot oh goodness yeah dude jack's the worst also jack nicholson like while i was watching this movie i was like has there ever been a role that i've liked jack nicholson in? <laughs> um like he's just always like the worst he's and, always like, uncomfortable he's always jack nicholson i mean yeah. i'm not saying anything against him because i i'll watch movies with him and i don't have a problem with it but he is always like this over the top character that's just hard to get behind i mean almost every single time you see him i think even yeah. like we we did the witch witches of eastwick together that yeah was like, and they were like what revolting. a hunk and what a hottie and i was like who that guy that's the guy you want ew no like you three are fighting over him get out of here no way um i think the only role that i've ever really well i did like him in as good as it gets i thought that was pretty fun but 
Um, I mean, he was still kind of Jack, but he did have some charismatic qualities in that particular movie. Um, but I because he him. was flawed in trying to get better. I don't think I've ever seen him in another role where he's tried to like be yeah. a better human. You make me want to be a better man. I didn't do that <laughs> accent right either. I can't do a Jack Nicholson impersonation, obviously. But he, um, I did like him. I think one of the characters that I enjoy the most that he's ever done was Easy Rider, because he was not like the Jack Nicholson that we all know. Right. You know what I mean? Like he was, it was one of his earlier movies and he was just like a guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh, I, I guess like Little this. Shop of Horrors. Yeah. I never actually watched his version though. So I don't know how he was. I mean, I mean, I feel like there. he would have to be over the top at some point in that movie. I did see <laughs> another movie. I think it was called The Trip. I think that he was in. And that was just kind of like, maybe it wasn't him. Never mind. That might have been Peter Fonda. There's um there's remember. a horror film that he did, I think it was nineteen sixty two called The Terror or The oh, Haunting. Yeah, that's the one I saw. The Terror. Yeah, where yeah, like he's like a French soldier, does not have a French accent. <laughs> uh and is uh like, I don't know, stranded in this place and then he sees a woman and all he does is to demand to know answers about her and people are like leave her alone and he's like i gotta know so you gotta tell me and it's like you're not owed anything <laughs> like leave her alone it's and then totally, you know yeah it's totally jack <laughs> yeah it was like get out of town <laughs> i will say i will say there's a couple things about this mil- this film in particular that are interesting like why did stanley kubrick make the shining and why did he pick Jack Nicholson? <laughs> and there is a very, very obvious reason for both of these things. His previous to film piss was... off Stephen King? No, 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 no. <laughs> that was never his intention. And I still think Stephen King is very. I don't understand why he still has a problem with this film and why he hasn't gotten over it. I, I really don't understand it because it's a beautiful piece of cinema. Like I'm sorry, he made something good out of your book, which I thought was boring as fuck. Um, I yeah. <laughs> so but the thing he stanley had made barry linden in 1975 that was the previous film before this one and (laughs) barry linden was it's hard because it is a miraculous piece of cinema and it's gorgeous it's fantastic it's beautiful it's good but the problem is it's not for everyone so it was very hard to sell it to people and the funny thing is technically it was a successful film but it was the critics that didn't like it that were saying negative things about it that's why it has like the the weird i guess history that it has with stanley because nobody really liked it as far as critics went but it was a very well um or it was successful like and that's the thing that i didn't even realize until recently when i was like i was watching the behind the scenes on the criterion and they basically broke down like this film actually made a profit like it was it was a successful movie so i don't understand why he was so mad about it but i think it was more people didn't appreciate what he had done and they just thought it was a long boring movie but obviously some people appreciated it because people went and saw the goddamn movie but anyway the point was when it got down to specifics it wasn't as successful as he had hoped or it wasn't as well received as he had hoped critically and 
then when it came to the award part of it, it got sketchy too because Stanley was notorious for not getting awards. Um, he the only Academy Award he ever got was the best visual effects for 2001: Space Odyssey, and mostly it was because the Academy considered him an expatriate for having moved to England and then just never coming home. <laughs> but the problem was like <laughs> when he moved he moved to England to shoot Lolita. And when he did that, then he did that because of the, um, the laws involved with filming with an underage person. So a 16 year old, the labor laws weren't quite as intense in England as they were in America. So he was able to film it more the way he wanted to film it, like without having all the. Like he could shit. film with a 16 year old for more than four hours a day. Exactly. Yeah. And with Stanley, that, I mean, that's kind of, we're going to talk about that with this film too, because The Shining, there is that element in there, um, because he had to shoot with a, a child, which might be why the film wasn't based around Danny at all, because Stanley had to film within a certain time frame with a child, and he's not used to that because he likes to take his time making his films. <laughs> he's like, so, ah, let's forget that plot. <laughs> like, let's forget about that, and let's focus on the dad. Um Anyway, but so when uh, he moved to England to film Lolita, he never came back, but it was mostly because he had his whole family there and his children were starting to go to school. And he's like, well, I'm not going to rip them out of here and take them back to America when their whole lives are here. Like, it's selfish of me to have to move back to make films in America when I can make them here. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. he wasn't technically an expatriate. He was always a guy from the bronx or whatever but but he was just the academy stanley considered from the, him stanley from the block stanley from the block, <laughs> yo. um i loved his accent too but anyway he um so he never came back they considered him expatriate so all the academy awards that he was up for he never personally got any his films got academy awards but never for him so it was always kind of like a kick in the face it's like Barry Lyndon was nominated for all the major awards, but it won like the four that weren't for him. <laughs> even though, I mean, even with a Stanley Kubrick film, he did do a lot of the work, but because of the, um, what do you call it? The uh, union, other people have to be listed as doing these things. So they got those awards, even though he probably did like 80% of that work, not the point. So. Anyway, so what had happened was in 75 or 76, whenever the Academy Awards was for that, Barry Lyndon lost most of its stuff to um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which had Jack mm, Nicholson. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I want to remember that, including my Best Actor Award that could have gone to Ryan O'Neill for Barry Lyndon because he did a fantastic job. But no, he went to Jack Nicholson. Um, Best Director went to Milos Foreman for One Flew, you know, all these things. So... That was one thing. And then his material, he was like, well, what is the most popular book ever? Because after Barry Lyndon, nobody read Barry Lyndon. And if you ever tried to read Barry Lyndon, it's like, ew. <laughs> it's a long ass <laughs> boring book that I can't even believe he made that movie out of. And then, which he kind of did with The Shining too. But anyway, um, so he did, he picked like the number one best-selling book at the time and got the rights to it and made the movie. So he picked Jack Nicholson as his star because he's like, well, he won that last thing. 
(laughs) (laughs) And he picked a very popular book. So he basically was trying to make a a film that would be well-received and well-viewed. And of course he did. Like in the end, he did. He, I mean, it's a masterpiece of modern horror. It's on all the things for it. It's, it is a, I mean, everybody knows The Shining. Even if you haven't seen it, you know The Shining. Yeah, I, I, the reason I didn't watch The Shining is because it already felt like I watched The Shining. Yeah, which we've talked about that before. Yeah. Now, how do you Actually, feel- the twins showed up a lot fewer than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Because, I, mean, oh, I guess the- because I did read the book beforehand intentionally. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, certainly, like, these ghosts are going to come out and, like, fuck with Danny and, like, try to, like, you know, also entrap Danny. But, um, no, they were just out there and then they were gone. And then yeah. they were back and then they were gone. And then that was, like, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, overall, I want to ask you, what did you think of the film? I mean,. I mean, I understand you read the book, and I, I've tried. Well, I, I never finished it. No, I, oh, I, I, and I'm going to tell you, I did not care for the book. Like, I know it's super. Man, people really love that book, and I, don't I was like, why? I hated it. Uh, it was, it was like a lot of like, uh, just bullshit. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah, like Stop it was, it was tangents. a lot of stuff. I, yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times Homeboy talked about the spoiler and to make sure to, like, watch the boiler. Otherwise, like, like dude, you know, bad stuff can happen. And I'm like, I get it. It's going to explode at the end. <laughs> like, like, why are we dedicating two chapters In to fact, the boiler? I feel, I feel like Stanley purposely did that. He's like, I'm not even going to mention that fucking boiler. No, they, he mentioned it in the interview. And then oh, like, at it. the end, Jack Nicholson was like frozen to death. And, and the overlook did not explode. And I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, maybe it did. We just didn't see it. But actually, it survived because Dr. Yeah. Sleep. But did um, Halloway die? Halloran, um, y- yeah, I think, I think. So he only came back to give Wendy and Danny a ride out of there. Yes. <laughs> like, he died in the hotel and then was like, Because he did not I die can't remember in the book. if he, like, like, he had to have survived in the book because he... Yeah, no, he drove them out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the he's in Doctor Sleep. Well, no, well. Well, I guess not in the movie because like, you know, he dead in The Shining. <laughs> I will not divulge that information. Well, he dies but in the But my whole thing is novel. I don't I haven't read Doctor Sleep, but I saw the movie and I will say that it is absolutely a sequel to The Shining. Like the film, The Shining. Right. Like, they adhere to so much that happened in the film over, I don't know what happened in the book, but I always wonder, because I kind of want to read Dr. Sleep specifically to see how much of that book was written knowing that people had seen the film and loved it. And what did he write? (laughs) Because I'm serious, because I was like, there's so much in that film that I was like, he had to have put this in his book. Because... No, I don't think so. No, I mean, like, in Dr. Sleep, the new book. Like, did... Right. Stephen King write knowing that the film would be the version that people would want a sequel to. Does that make sense? No. 
<laughs> like you know he's an asshole about the shiny in the movie uh, uh, and oh you know no, oh no oh no oh shit oh no we haven't even no <laughs> i'm so sorry uh that's depressing <laughs> yeah anyway uh the well yeah, there's there's nothing from the film that's in the book. I think Stephen King was like super upset because he's got such like a universe. Like he he's got it. such a like a like a like a hard on for his universe, and I guess all the books connect to each other, and so changing the smallest detail is like goes against like his like weird meticulous canon. Ugh. And like I don't I I I don't I mean I think you can make changes like look at the friggin' Marvel movies like yeah, those exactly. are different from the comics don't get me wrong comic books like reboot all the time and like make changes but it's I think a strong example of how you can make changes and still like honor the spirit of I it. think I think that was the point with this was that Stanley took <laughs> I always say this I a lot when I talk about this movie. Stanley took all the parts of the book that worked mm -hmm. and used those to his advantage to make a brilliant piece of cinema. Like you can say all you want about the story and how he changed it and all that kind of shit. But the fact is Stanley Kubrick made a brilliant work of art as far as film. It is a beautiful film. Right. Like beautiful, it is one of the most beautifully photographed, beautifully lit. Films. I I will say it was a it was a very pretty film. It is, and it did like, yeah. I mean, it was pretty. I really hated Jack. Um, I don't think you were supposed to like him. I also want to well, I don't that think I was either. But like, it was like there was no situation in the film where I was like, "Why, Wendy? Why are you still here? Get out." Like there well, was no was... like him apologizing to her and like kind of like because like in a cycle of abuse, there is still, you know, like like she will take reasons like if any of any type to like stay, you know, mm -hmm. and like I was like, he's just like being a dick. He's just like ramp ramping it upward. And there's like like I never once thought that he cared about his his wife or his son. Even though, like, he, like, yelled about how he loved the bastard. Um, yeah. Well, because <laughs> I think the interesting thing about maybe, maybe, because I can't remember exactly how the book starts, but. And well, I, think I, you, I think what I'm trying to say is I wasn't invested in the family. No. Like, in the unity of, think, the, of the family. I, I think like, the part out. of it. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I think the part of it that's interesting is the, the, I mean, I agree with you. And I've always thought that. But I've also always realized that you never, you only see Jack outside of the hotel room or a hotel once. Mm -hmm. And that was on the drive up, but he had already been to the hotel. So his whole attitude, like from the very beginning of this movie, is going to be that he, the hotel has already like gotten it. Like right. the talons have been secured on his shoulder. So he's he's already infected basically so right. you never really see him out of that like you never see him not being the crazy ridiculous man that you know he he was yeah that. yeah no it was like 
Like he was like even a dick on the drive up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I think again that was kind of intentional. I think that might be where Stephen King and his book come into play where you might because in his book i mean good god flashbacks i mean flashback here and there and there well i mean i didn't like so, jack in the book either i no. like did not like he was like a struggling alcoholic and there was like a part of me that just like really didn't care yeah i don't but i, I, I imagine stephen king was writing that from like his personal experience as a recovering alcoholic yeah probably. uh but like i was like man i really don't like jack also this is unnecessarily racist and homophobic yeah there was some of that in there too yeah. i always forget about that until it happens i'm like oh shit <laughs> yeah yeah i was like i was like Ugh. oh shit oh, <laughs> because shit. Was, especially yeah. when it's when it's grady that says some of these things and i'm like oh no because i love him <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like an but over, that I overall i would say films. um i'm so sorry what oh overall i would say it was a it was a very pretty film uh it in that just seemed to be what uh kubrick really wanted you know i i agree i think i think well i think with any Stanley kubrick film that is the point is that it's going to be impeccably photographed no matter mm -hmm. what the content is. It doesn't matter what the hell it is. Yeah, and it's going to be fact, big. I honestly think at some point, like, and I'm not saying anything negative about Eyes Wide Shut, and we'll get to that when we talk about that movie, but it's, it's almost like whatever content for the story that he has in front of him, I don't think that's as important to him as how it's going to look as a film. I think that is his most important aspect in crafting a, a film is right. what is this going to look like? What is the overall structure of the film visually? And I think that's where he goes with his films. I don't, I think the content sometimes suffers because of that, but he also does get fantastic performances out of actors. He's very good at that. Speaking of, um, I know we got to switch to our next movie, but I want to say, like, you hear a lot about Kubrick, like, torturing Shelley Duvall for her performance, <laughs> which you could have stood to torture Jack Nicholson a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he, well, and that whole situation, Shelley Duvall is Shelley Duvall, so <laughs> that's always a tricky conversation because... I don't know what that means. Shelley Duvall is very dramatic in in her person, like her real life and on screen. Like she's she's a dramatic character. So I don't think Stanley Kubrick necessarily tortured her. I think that she was well, pushed I also beyond think she her personal comfort. Job. Yes, I I think she did a brilliant job in the film, and I think that was part of the problem with having to do that because if you think about that logically you're hyperventilating through half this fucking movie it's not an easy thing to accomplish as an actor and knowing that stanley kubrick does tend to take a bunch of takes you have to think about that like if you decided to do this character this way mm -hmm. you have to do that this way like you can't really get around it like you can't just go in there and be like Oh, Jack. Oh, God. I don't feel like it. Like, you have to be hyperventilating all the because that's how the character is going to have to react in the situation if it were real. So, and that's the thing. I think Shelley Duvall 
this is an amazing performance that she did. I think most of my joy in watching this film is watching her performance. I think she's amazing in this. And I know a lot she of people. She was the only character I cared about. Well, that yeah. and Halloway. Oh, but, I loved yeah. Halloran. Yeah. He was fantastic. I wish he had been in the film more. Um, Same. But he or she, she did, she did amazing in this film. And I think that's what a lot of, I think a lot of people look at her the wrong way in this part. Like I, if that makes sense, I don't, I think a lot of people make fun of Shelley Duvall and I hate it, especially her looks, which I hate that people do that to her. Why? Um, that's the other thing for God's sake. She was a model. Like she started off her career as a model. So yeah, people just be mad about it. Like, fuck y'all. She's amazing. That. Um, but anyway, and whatever the case, I think she did a brilliant job and I love her character and her performance. What would you rate this film? Oh my God. <laughs> I'd say nine and a half toes. Oh, wow. That's one of my favorites by Stanley specifically. Oh, I wanted to mention one more thing before we stop. Go ahead. With the photography of the film. So, um, for the end of it first of all there's no breath like you can't see hit their breath in the frozen snowy parts right which is an afterthought i just always thought that was funny i was like i never even noticed that <laughs> that's how good they did <laughs> never noticed it um but uh so for the end of the film like towards the end with all the snow and shit um when he filmed it he just filmed it you know normal or whatever and it was always kind of like one of those things where how did he make it look so good and how did he make it look so white and it's because he removed um what is it the green filter i believe or when he was like doing the um the processing of the film mm -hmm. he removed the green so it only had what blue and or maybe he removed i can't remember which one he removed he removed one of them so it has only two filters on it i think it's red and blue are the only filters that were on it yeah so that made all the snow look as white as it did and he did i mean it's huh. just stanley he's so fucking brilliant i can't stand it and it's it's just a simple thing it's like well duh that makes sense but you wouldn't think about it you'd be trying to figure out how to make it look white right like how do i do this and right Stanley's on. like bitch i got this don't you worry about that i got this <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay what would you rate it uh i think i would give it a seven solid very nice yeah give him a stanley some prop prop yeah i think i think it was pretty all right um yeah man it was long it was way longer than i was expecting <laughs> I, I mean that's not like a bad thing i was just like oh <laughs> it i think i said that for about another movie we did it must have been a kubrick movie as well <laughs> well funny girl Ooh, girl that wasn't stanley but that was long that one See, that one too. feels long to me. Shining doesn't feel long to me because I just love no, it. No, no, no. It definitely, like, they definitely will give you, like, a piece and then they hard cut to, like, the next elaborate. Oh, and the music. We didn't even talk about the music. Fucking the music brilliant. is good. Um, yeah. Most of it's existing music. It wasn't written for the film. And that, above all, is so satisfying to me. It's like, can you imagine people showing up for a performance of a classical piece of music and you get some nutso crazy thing that sounds like it's from a horror film. <laughs> like that's literally what it was. Was like, what? Like, and you'll hear that music and used in a lot of horror films afterwards. 
I think it's right. called The Awakening of Jacob by um, Penderecki, I believe, which is the famous one where it's, I can't explain it, but it's like the one that he used to highlight those crazy moments where like, like when he pulls the paper out of the typewriter and goes, you know, like yeah. that whole thing. Um, I did like that he had the novel that was just that one sentence oh, typed that was over fantastic. and over again. <laughs> And he actually like, had a lot of people on the set typing up pages for that. Oh my goodness. So everybody was doing it. Um, uh, the soundtrack also, side note, I know I'm talking a lot, but I know a lot. Um, the soundtrack was available briefly on vinyl. I don't know if it was on a, any other formats, but uh, it had to be pulled from distribution and to sell from Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers didn't secure the rights to all the music. So the uh -oh. soundtrack is very, very, very rare and hard to come by. And yes, I do have one. Yeah, I imagine it's also very expensive. Also brag. Yeah, super brag. <laughs> I brag about that one because I got it so cheap, too. <laughs> it's like, yeah! <laughs> and it's in mint condition. It looks gorgeous. It's so fantastic. And I'm going to use the original poster for our cover art so you guys can see that beautiful Saul Bass piece of art. Right on. Anyway. You so ready to talk about uh, the Beyond? Yes, I am ready. Did you watch it? Don't well, lie to I me. <laughs> I actually did. For whatever actually reason, did. I thought you forgot about it. No, 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 I watched it. Jason set up his shutter, so I was able to watch it. Um, right on. So, what is this movie about? <laughs> oh, that's a hard that. one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's about a hotel the seven doors hotel uh that i guess is built on or has an entrance to one of the seven gateways to hell and when when that opening is um unsealed uh spooky shit happens <laughs> and uh <laughs> And the, then the dead will walk the earth. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Yeah, which, as we were talking about The Shining, something I was thinking about, like, there were some points that you talk about with Kubrick and The Shining, and which, don't get me wrong, these two movies are different. Oh, for God, sure. Yes. These are they very are, different They movies. are both spooky hotels. And... Uh, <laughs> I think one is spooky. The other one is just like, ew. <laughs> yeah, the director, um, uh, what is uh, uh, Lucio uh, Fulci? He is um, an Italian uh, horror director. So it's a lot of, uh, it's kind of like Jallo films where it's like super like gory. There's like oh, a God, killer yes. that you don't see, but maybe like the hands. Uh, and... <laughs> It, he it it seemed very obvious that he doesn't much care about the script so much as the way it looks like stanley uh, i think Just stanley, like stanley i think stanley yeah. cared a little bit more i guy. think i think stanley is more contemporary or falchi <laughs> was a bit more of like the makeup and the gore because I guess he's nicknamed, like, the godfather of gore. 
Okay. Which I or a, like the the king of splatter, which I've also heard those terms used for uh, Tom Savini, but also Savini um, was operating around the same time and in America. So obviously, I'm going to hear more about him than I am about uh, Falchi. But yeah. anyway, yeah, there's a lot of Igor. There's a lot of like lots of <laughs> unnecessary eye shit. I thought of, I was like, did they get like some discount on a bag of eyes? <laughs> Apparently, that's like his thing. Um, his signature like, is in all eyes. of his movies. There's always like some sort of like eyeball situation, but this movie it seemed like them. it happened twelve times. It was obnoxious how many eyeballs were flying out. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The uh, all right. So when we open the film, it's like 1927, and we're in this hotel, which I guess is still a hotel. And uh, there's this dude painting a painting, a spooky painting, and <laughs> and these other these other townspeople, I guess, stroll on in and um bring him downstairs into the basement and uh, crucify him. I and then throw hot cement or something that's boiling. Yeah, I couldn't uh, figure out what that was either. Yeah, I was, I was like, like it was cement like milky, but it was boiling. I was like, what is that? What are they pouring on him? <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, it looked awful. And of course, it was one of those where <laughs> it's one of those films. This, I have to say, I mean nothing against your taste or your choices but this is this is a great example of what i don't like about horror movies like i, I just i don't understand i mean i get and the whole time i was watching it i was thinking i know a lot of people that probably think this is so fucking cool and great and i get it like I understand it because like I have friends that make horror films and they, they the, part of it is coming up with how to make, you know, these horrible graphic death. Yeah. Moments. A lot of, a lot of B rated horror movies are basically a celebration of makeup. Yeah. And they're trying to accomplish a, a special effect as best they know how, or as I, I want to say realistic as possible, but I wouldn't quite go no, that far. No, no. Um, it's not as realistic as possible. Not when, like, blood is, like, spewing across I mean, hole. it really didn't make much sense. But but my thing is, is, like, the lingering on these moments. I'm like, nobody needs to sit here and see this for that long. I was like, you could have cut away several times and I would have been fine. I get the gist. The eyeball happened. Let's move on. Oh, they're taking out um, the other eyeball. All right, oh. all right, yeah, yeah. There you go. I guess, I guess I'll watch that. To remove. <laughs> Is he, does he have a third eye? <laughs> um, yes, I loved. All right, so when I watched it the other day, because I'd only seen this movie once before, and when we were like picking, we, like we picked pairs, yeah. not seeing each other's films, but trying to guess like what would suit it. <laughs> yeah. I was like. Spooky hotels, Hell House LLC, Amityville. Well, Amityville's not a hotel, but like Poltergeist or Amityville Horror, or like those were the three that I could think of. And I was like, no, the Beyond, <laughs> <laughs> because oh. it's also very stylized. And I assumed Kubrick would have been stylized, but definitely in a different direction. 
Also, I, mean, I really like to torture you. You can't get more opposite. <laughs> but in the opening, too. when the dude's face is melting off and they're oh, holding there for quite some time, music starts playing and the, the subtitles oh, I loved reads it. like it's spooky music. Spooky music. With a beat. It is not <laughs> spooky at all. Like I saw I this subtitle and I was like, music. excuse me? Spooky music? It was like <laughs> the opening to a, a sitcom of some sort. It was yeah, or, or like I don't even know what like was an eighties like action movie, like a yes. like a cop like, like drama, a buddy not cop drama, a cop comedy movie, yeah. a buddy cop movie. That's what it sounded like. Yes. I was like, this is not spooky music. At it was all. spooky music with a beat, Johnny. <laughs> That's what made it different. <laughs> it's not though. It was. Awful. It's like the caption artist was like, it should be spooky music, right? <laughs> but it's different. Exactly what happened. He was probably told he had to put that. You have to include spooky. <laughs> Even though it's not at all. It was yeah. like awful dance music that you wouldn't dance to. I loved it. I loved it and it reminded me of um Suspiria. Like Suspiria I would say is like spookier, of course, because this this one had a beat. Did and, you finally watch Suspiria? I did. Which one? The original? Yeah. Okay. I actually, yeah. I, I could see how, I mean, I think I, I prefer Suspiria, but I, <laughs> I, well, but the, I, I would see say Suspiria is much like it in like a, like a Jallo type situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, Italians definitely like this specific kind of horror. <laughs> and I will <laughs> tell sure. you, I'm going to tell you right now, Jen. Jallos are my least favorite horror, like subgenre, absolute least. Like, or anything that has to do with um, I guess anything to do with torture would be underneath that because I think that's like cheap and easy to do. It's just whereas yeah. like whereas Jallos, I guess they're like they're really celebrating like <laughs> I don't know the squirt guns they have behind the eyes to shoot <laughs> out the blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's so absurd it kind of reminds me um <laughs> a little sidetrack here but i Go can't ahead. remember which one it was it was either yojimbo or sanjuro by akira kurosawa that <laughs> it has a very iconic ending and i can't remember which one so i'm i'm spoiling one of them for you i feel bad that i don't remember which one it was whatever but um because <laughs> i should know I, I also all. don't know which one you're talking about if you don't know which one uh, you're spoiling I, I can't remember but um <laughs> And I think it might be Sinjiro. Anyway, not the point. No, so, don't spoil it further. I'm Give me a surprise it. spoil. No, I'm spoiling it. So anyway, so at the end of the film, uh, he finally gets in a conflict. The the samurai gets in a conflict um, with somebody else. And the, I, I think it was the second one because I, he was trying not to be violent at all. He didn't want to kill anybody. And this guy finally pressured him and he was like, fine, I'll battle you or whatever and he of course wins in like one stroke so he hit the guy with a sword and <laughs> this ridiculous like monsoon thing came out of this guy's neck and it was an accident like it wasn't supposed to do that it just like <laughs> the the pressure in the tube or something like exploded crazy and he just kept it he's like yeah oh sure. whatever <laughs> I'll show him not to be violent. <laughs> anyway, and I think 
he accidentally like created that for films like i mean you've seen kill bill obviously like that over the top ridiculous scoring yeah. blood everywhere like that's kind of where that came from was like an accident from the Kira Kurosawa film <laughs> i will i will tell you um the beyond is one of quentin tarantino's favorite films i'm not surprised i mean it had that whole uh opening um, yeah you know the Go on. tarantino Grindhouse. Yeah, Are we talking about like the Grindhouse opening? (laughs) (laughs) John was doing things with his fingers, like interlacing them and then pulling them apart and then wiggling them a bunch. Um, But I understood. (laughs) And I just let him continue to do it for a little bit. (laughs) Uh, The Grindhouse uh, people. uh, So I guess there was uh, an unrated version that I, I guess hadn't been seen. Or a director's version or something. Uh, and the Grindhouse people took it and, um, like, refurbished refurbished it? No. What's the upscaling thing that people people do? Uh, restored it? Remastered it. Remastered yeah. it. Re- <laughs> and they uh, released it. And then, I think a few years later, Quentin Tarantino had his production team uh, do it again. And also, more so, but for the Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know why. But that that's how I that's how I learned that it was his favorite film. I was like, oh okay. So like he like gave a lot of like shits about it. <laughs> it's just so funny. You see somebody like Martin Scorsese like restoring all these beautiful technicolor films and you're so excited mm-hmm. and the preservation it's just and then there's Tarantino. Dude, people his love the beyond. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna be an no, asshole about it like well no again it's uh it's like all right so the director <laughs> the director is in this movie and he is and like all right so with italian movies as we as we've seen with um uh eight and a half that director you've said his name federico <laughs> fellini Thank uh you. <laughs> like how like you know like they like dub over um, oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and with his films, like with Fellini, I guess he didn't always have a script, and so they just had to like fake it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he he had them with, like recite numbers and stuff. Like, yeah, one, two, three, and, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, yeah. and then he would just like add dialogue later. Yeah, he's like, ah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, well, like these, you can tell that they did have a like a script, but they were still operating under the same like dubbing situation. The same with like Suspiria, yeah. right? And well, that's, I was going to ask you that. Was this filmed in Italy? Or was it filmed in... It was filmed in Louisiana. Oh, so he had no excuse tonight. <laughs> he just did right. it Italian style. Like... <laughs> yes, absolutely, yes. But he's he's in the film, and everyone's very clearly speaking English, even if it is dubbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the mouth shapes just match. But he's the librarian, and as he's talking... It doesn't quite fit, and I'm pretty sure I had I had read something briefly just before that he doesn't know English. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> or his English isn't very good, and he was like trying real hard to fake it. And I was like, that would make sense because there are so many like flubs throughout the film, like like when there's like a a corpse being examined. And one of the dudes says, he's like, he looks good for six years old. 
and <laughs> I thought that he was like six years dead. <laughs> but the corpse was supposed to be 60 years old. And I was like, how did that like stay in the film? Probably because this man don't know English too he good. He didn't care. He's like, did the eyeball he, come Because out? he also didn't care. He was just like... <laughs> I imagine, like, at the table read, he was like, here's all the death scenes. Discuss. <laughs> if there even was a table read, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Or when they were, like, trying to do the uh, storyboarding. <laughs> he's like, you can figure out the in-betweens. You know, I and, have to um, say, I was surprised there wasn't any nudity in this movie. There wasn't any what? Nudity. I was oh like, yeah! Even if some it's prime I mean, time for nudes, for sure. This is like the kind of movie where I was expecting it, and got none of it. And there were nope. several dudes in this movie that I was like, "Please take off your pants," because it would be fantastic. <laughs> and they never did. Rude. Yeah, yeah I. Uh, yeah, I, you know that did not occur to me. But yeah. No, it occurred to me because I was looking for something. <laughs> <laughs> normally the horror movies ashley picks have like titties everywhere sometimes I'll, I'll pick one that has a penis i know one straight up has like a wang hanging about you're not gonna like the movie though so i think you'll forgive me because of the schlong look you put a schlong in it i'll yeah. live with it this one yeah, no we'll, we'll get you we'll get you to watch pieces it was almost a <laughs> schlong like a in this movie. it was almost a schlong and a backside and that was it and i was waiting the whole movie for it because they had those guys naked under those sheet things in the morgue, and I was like, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna pop out of those things real quick, and they're gonna start doing things. <laughs> it's gonna be great. They're gonna be dancing around with their wieners." Nope. Never oh happened. no, they popped out fully clothed, right? No, no, they were naked. The morgue guys were. I'm just all right. So, so I guess to discuss throughout the the film. Warlock dude is sac oh he's sacrificed because they think he's a warlock and he's working on a painting and that painting like stays in the hotel and then I guess this woman inherits this hotel mm -hmm. but from her uncle but like what was her uncle doing with it because room thirty six was still locked also when they went into that room it did not look like the room hadn't been touched since nineteen twenty seven um like it had like modern furniture in there so I don't know why it, things were weird and it was locked and there was a dead body up there yeah there was that like a, nobody saw there was not very much consistency to any of it um not yeah. at all because there was some weird mention that the lady and her son that were there came with the property but they never really went into anything about that and like randomly towards the end when you see all the i guess i don't know all the demonic shit coming together at the end mm -hmm. the sun is in there like he's it's almost like a scooby-doo shot where it's like he's just filmed somewhere with a weird background and you're like he just popped it in there i was like yeah uh, Mar uh in the room <laughs> martin and arthur wait martha and on arthur i believe yeah she was like like she called them lazy and she couldn't fire them because they came with the hotel. But like, I don't think that that's how that want. like works. Like you can still fire them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also, so she goes to town to get supplies 
and she's going across this gigantic over water bridge thing that kind of looks like the well this was louisiana is that yeah. right because yeah. remember when we went to new orleans we were we, we had to go over these ridiculous long bridge highway yeah things. i remember that and i remember someone we were riding with had like a lot of anxiety about it oh, and I like did. was trying to sleep but it was like a long sleep because we were also in traffic <laughs> it was horrifying that was i i thought we were going to die doing that yeah, and I couldn't stop bringing it up. Oh my god! <laughs> being like, did you ever hear about the the ship that hit the Skyway Bridge? <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> um. Anyway, but it when she's driving across this gigantic bridge thing, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> randomly in the middle of the road is a woman with her dog, and I mean, it makes completely no sense. I mean, other than the fact that she's probably a ghost or something, but. And I just thought it was funny that she didn't slow down until the very last minute and then pumped her brakes to, like, stop in front of this dog. Yeah, like, she and didn't like, see her. Like, dude, you're sitting there staring at her going, what is that in the road? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's going to move? <laughs> like, yeah. what is wrong with you? Stop your fucking car. And, of course, there was nobody else on that bridge. I was like, they got lucky with that because you know they didn't schedule that or anything. There's no way that they scheduled to have that bridge closed for this movie. They did not have the budget for that. So they just well, got lucky. maybe they maybe they just put up uh, cones and acted like it was like closed and like put a detour <laughs> sign. <laughs> a detour nowhere. <laughs> Where else can you go? There's right. That's got to be like the, the only bridge. bridge. Um. <laughs> yeah, that and that character that you're talking about is a blind woman named Emily, right? Yeah. And like she like <laughs> lets her in the car and. Um, yeah, they become BFFs. Like they're hanging out, they're doing. Yeah, things. she's like, "Oh, I know you," and she's like, "How do you know me?" And she's like, "I know everybody." <laughs> and then, like, what's her name? Liza, the main character, who her only, <laughs> like, all the characters are like very, very flat. But <laughs> Liza had a little bit more detail put into her because uh, she's from New York, and can't stop bringing it up <laughs> at every at every point. I mean, I she's, would. So too, she's not I afraid of things. You know, I was from New York and I had stuck in Louisiana, this awful hotel. I'm from New York. <laughs> Why am I yeah. not there? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and so like she's just cool with this blind woman, and she takes her home. And the blind woman like eventually tells her like, "Don't go into room 36." And then the woman does, and she's like, oh, "Now I got to tell you everything." And then still doesn't tell her like much of anything. No. <laughs> she was not very useful. Yeah, and then gets uh, murdered by her dog later. Oh yeah, that's also, when like, the guy Suspiria. shows up. The son, the sweaty son. Yeah, because like it's like all it's the it's the corpses, right? Uh, it's like the people who have already died. Yeah, and, they're and that's there. why it confused me that he was there because I was like, is he dead? I I don't understand. Is he I dead? Guess he's dead. I don't I don't have any idea. They didn't make it very clear, and then. They never he was elaborated. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of the zombies, a lot or a lot of the dead people until we get to the horde of zombies. Um a lot of like the dead, I guess, main characters. There were a lot. Um, yeah, there were a few. Yeah, like and uh Peter, the sexy plumber dude. Oh no, that's that's John the plumber. Was it John? I thought it was Peter. No, I'm pretty sure it's John because it was like uh what's his name? Mitt Romney or McCain? With the with the John the Plumber, person. 
as like an no example idea. of like uh, the the working class. Um, but yeah, there was like there were like Jerry Johns. Is I thought Peter was the uh, the doctor, well, the maybe. Indiana Jones type doctor. Oh God! Okay, that like, guy, like the cowboy of the movie. Like, sir, are you a medical doctor or an archaeologist? I mean, I couldn't figure out his purpose in this movie at all. And also, he always had the exact same look on his face. Like, the whole movie. I was like, I mean, nothing is that serious. He, like, he was not charismatic. I was like, I mean, you're lucky you're in other movies, dude, because I, I, I'm surprised after that job. He's, uh, he, he was in a bunch of movies. Yeah, he uh, was. was I looked name? him up. David Warbeck. He, uh, he wa- he I was really a... hoping that plumber would get naked and then he got murdered real quick and I was pissed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and you know what? I liked the plumber. The plumber was like the most, like, how do I say this? I was more invested in the plumber for some reason than any of the other characters. And I think it was because he was making a discovery. Yeah, <laughs> like, but he was also tearing down a wall. Yeah, also, that basement that was either. so flooded, and she wasn't freaking out about it. She was like, "Can you come fix my leak? Like leak? Leak? Like- <laughs> that is not a leak. That is a full-on submerged basement. And besides that, I couldn't figure out because I kept thinking, like, budget-wise, like, I- <laughs> it's, it's not like they had." like a budget so it's like what <laughs> or they spent all their money on the special effects makeup shit but it was like how did they get this flooded like was it actually just the house they used had a flooded basement and they just used it but then what about the wall he knocks down and how big was that basement because that basement looked way bigger than that house so uh the budget is listed as Four hundred thousand U.S. dollars. That's okay. I mean, that's more than that. Ooh, had to pay all those actors, all those main characters. Actually, now that you're looking up shit, what about The Shining? I've never even thought to look that up. Do they know? Oh, Kubrick, I bet. Like, like he had a lot of budget put into uh, those aerial shots. I mean, Stanley Kubrick makes serious films so 15 million for uh the shining oh okay he usually well stanley would like use the profits that he made off of his last film and use it towards them like he made independent films that were distributed by major companies right if that makes sense yeah so uh anyway um so <sighs> yeah, so they uh they find this book. I guess there's this book. Oh yeah, that, I forgot uh, there's a book. <laughs> yeah, and like that book, as it I really was, didn't uh, mean anything. The book, the book I, of Ibon was is in like H.P. Lovecraft, but some other dude like created the book as like a piece of fiction for his short story, and I guess just other pieces of work have utilized that book as like i don't know some demonic texts in their films or writings because hp lovecraft use it uh but yeah so i i'm curious to know how many things 
how many properties have been written around that book. Yeah, that would That's be interesting. All. That's all. The book the book just says the the dead will rise whenever the gates of hell are opened. And what's her name? Liza is trying to find this book because she sees it when I, when she also sees uh, one of the dudes up in uh, 36, the dead body in 36. And then I guess the warlock rises back and kills Martha and like shoves her head through the 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 nail, yeah. right? In the bathtub. Well, that's Pretty the sure thing. They... I think in one of those bathrooms, somebody was crucified in the bathroom. I think it was the same bathroom. And 36. Yeah, that's why there like, were nails on the wall. But he was crucified in the basement. I mean, this is but what I'm saying. But I don't I'm know. Saying. Spooky, don't spooky things are was, happening. Like, spooky I don't things think can jump. the continuity was important to these people. I also don't think it was. <laughs> They needed to have that that damn nail on the wall in the bathroom so that he could shove her head and have her eyeball pop out. Yes, and it was like super far out, you know, so it could go through her head and poke out her eyeball. I mean, it had to be the eyeball. (laughs) It it could have just gone through the things like whenever whatever whenever characters die through being pushed onto something like in like their head. I don't know why that gets to me. I'm like. Well, like, I, I don't think like I would what an enjoy awful any feeling of those that would deaths. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ew. Oh, and the one, the plumber's wife. We didn't even mention her and their daughter, which I still can't quite figure out what the fuck was going on with that. But yeah, Jill, Jill, how she got milky eyes. Yeah, she got the blank eyes too, and I mean, I didn't know if that was supposed to mean something. Well, um, Emily got her her eyes after she read the text yeah and then jill got it i don't know from grieving for her father at the funeral oh well that's the thing they were in the morgue and the, the mom dressed the corpse i mean I, it was just such a weird freaking thing and her daughter was sitting there the whole time well no wait a minute she was in the waiting room but yeah whatever she came in when her mother started screaming oh that's the other thing they didn't exactly say what happened to the mom like she she looked up she screamed and then all of a sudden a thing of acid was pouring on her face and she was on the ground and i was like and then the daughter walks in and sees the mom sees it happening and doesn't make any attempt to change anything any any of the circumstances i mean hello like could you stop the acid from falling i mean i don't i mean i i guess that would be dangerous like like her face is messed up but maybe like it's not like i don't know in her brain (laughs) and then of course it's it's coming towards her, all the bloody liquid stuff. And, uh-huh. and it oh, floods no. just like the room in The Shining. I mean, <laughs> not quite as beautifully photographed and dramatic. But anyway, <laughs> and she also didn't hit the elevator button, get the fuck out of there. I was like, hello, there's an elevator right behind you. Click that button. I mean, it's a horrible set with a, like, I mean, those doors look like they were made out of cardboard. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, dude, those those are not elevator doors at all. That is funny. <laughs> and you, you use that texture spray paint <laughs> to make them look, I don't know what, like what kind of elevator doors look like that? <laughs> make any, like stone. They look like fake stone doors. <laughs> Our doors I are love... made out of granite. 
like, all right, so at the end of the film, for, so what? What's her nuts is looking for this book, and then the doctor finds the book in his home. He thinks it's a plant by the woman who he he thinks patronizes and tells yeah. her that she's crazy. Because uh, he's a and man. I guess in spite he reads it and doesn't get milky eyes. Oh uh, yeah, he read the whole book. <laughs> yeah, in cover like to cover. What, an hour. Like he saw her right after, and he was like, "Yeah, I read the, I read book, the book you gave me. Are you trying to mess with me?" Like I read the whole thing. <laughs> like, and she's like, well, "What did it say?" Did he it said, say? "Like I the gates of hell it. and blah blah blah." I never had it long enough to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess spooky shit happens with them and then they go back to the hospital after he said that the dead are going to rise they go right back to the morgue oh yeah and that's what you would do when you find out dead are gonna rise i mean maybe that's where he keeps his gun his gun that's probably should only have oh, six rounds but i totally <laughs> forgot about that the gun yeah it was a revolver so it's like he kept shooting tons of people and okay oh my god the whole sequence was just fucking nuts because first of all there's no way that he would have been able to shoot that many rounds without having to reload the gun many many times and right. it made no sense he did reload like once and he only put yeah one like bullet. at oh, one point oh it, it was no that, longer though? convenient did for him to have that, infinite he bullets put the bullet he was putting the bullet oh like he was like loading a musket like loading a musket <laughs> he was, I was like, like putting it through wait the barrel a minute. that's not how you even load that gun and i don't know anything about guns i, I don't <laughs> yeah. like yeah. but i've seen enough movies to know that a revolver does not get loaded that way <laughs> <laughs> like he may as well pulled out a stick from his pocket and just like pushed it down and then like he... what are you doing have you seen a weapon <laughs> oh my god but i loved it because he kept like and this is that long lingering shot shit where it was like dude like mm-hmm. we don't need to see every single thing that you film <laughs> it's not making this any better but he would shoot the, the zombies and he it was completely ludicrous because he would shoot them like once in the chest, like, oh, oh, and then once in like the rib area, oh, oh, and then, then he would do the headshot. And I was like, um, yeah. and, like, and he did the this many headshot, times. You had to be like, oh, that's the one that's going to do it. But even though he's like point blank to them, he's still pointing down at their gut as yeah. though, no, maybe a gut shot will work on this one. On this one in particular. <laughs> Let me shoot him here. No, dude. It's always, and I've said this for any movie, any movie where there's a bad guy that you have to shoot and you have a gun. First of all, don't listen to anything. If they start spewing out a whole bunch of stuff that's exposition, just shoot them. (laughs) Like, we don't need any of that. We've lived the situation. We don't need it. Just yeah, shoot and odds are that person has a journal somewhere with like we'll all of their devious notes because they want they're doing this for fame. If they're giving you an exposition, like <laughs> they're just ego, 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 ego. Shoot them in the head. But that's the other thing. Shoot them in the head. I don't care what the situation is. It doesn't even have to be zombies. It any situation where you're in peril. <laughs> and shit's not good and the bad guys like near you and you have a gun shoot them in the head i don't care what it i can't tell you how many things i have watched where 
they didn't do that. They could have, because they were close enough too. They were like real close to these people. And I'm like, shoot them in the head. I mean, hello, why wouldn't you do that? And then they don't. And then, oh, they live and blah, blah, shoot them in the head. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a, he's a medical doctor for sure. Uh, and... He's not going to save any of these people. They're zombies. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, like, maybe brain isn't his specialty. <laughs> he thinks lungs or, are the way to go. But, like, he also very clearly does not know how to load a gun. So maybe he just doesn't <laughs> know how they work in general. Maybe that I mean, that I'm was him troubleshooting. He didn't just throw the gun at them. <laughs> Did that work? Didn't he throw it, like, towards the end? I love that they, like, like go into the elevator. And homegirl Liza is just freaking out because, you know, even though she's from she New York, apparently this on. is more than she can handle. She's like the audience. <laughs> she has no clue what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and they, go, they go downstairs. And I, I think one thing I liked is that they went downstairs and then they were suddenly under the hotel. <laughs> Why are we here? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, good. <laughs> Let's get this. Wrap this up. Yeah. Wrap like, like up, that's, people. that's hellish. You know, like, yeah. that's like, bleh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, I do like, like the transportation. Like, I like that. Yeah. Like, they did that in uh, one of the episodes of um, uh, Lovecraft. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like that. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Get, get them like. There. Them that's like spooky i uh, that like i would hate that i'd be like it's like or even like those silent kind of hill thing. like the the playable trailer where you just keep going through the same room like you go and exit and you end up in like the same room like oh ugh, that's yeah. awful that is hell ugh, get me out of here icky, icky, so icky. when that happened i'm like good <laughs> yeah like like here's where the spooky I, stuff begins i will also say that the end of this movie Mm-hmm. was my favorite part of the whole thing and not because yeah. it was over <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a legitimately good ending i was like this is fantastic why wasn't the rest of the movie like this i agree that's what i was just gonna say they go through that hole in the wall because like where else are they gonna go they know like they can't go back up because that hospital's infested and they're definitely not in the actual hotel are they who knows they didn't check so maybe they were (laughs) yeah yeah so let's go through that hole in the wall uh which is very obviously it's already been established that it is one of the gateways to hell and they're like all right well let's try our luck here and they go in and it's the painting Mm-hmm. That we keep that we kept seeing, which had which was some sort some of junk on the dead bodies. Yeah, just a little bit of peen. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little, artistically little bit placed. Peen, artistic <laughs> peen. And uh, when they go to turn around, it's just more of the same landscape. I dug that. Yeah, I kind of like. I loved that when they kept turning around, and it was like the same exact view for them. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you you been in hell. Like, they should have done a spin take for that so that the audience would have gotten that better. I mean, I understood it, but just to emphasize, yeah. like, do that. It would it would have been nice, but they probably just have, like, one of those um those backdrop situations. Yeah, I was thinking, I was, I mean, I was thinking the budget, there's no way. I mean, but you could have faked it somehow. I mean, hello, these people, I guess they didn't That's think true. about that, but whatever. You could have, I could have done it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right so also i want to mention that this is part of a trilogy oh no 
and We're I not guess doing the rest of them are. We? Well, this is the second one. Oh my god! <laughs> are they connected at all? I I don't I don't know. I haven't seen them. <laughs> not gonna lie, but I know um, Fauci made another uh, movie that came out. Like they're all right. So they were done in like. I think two were done in 1981 and the other was done in 1983 and this one was the second one. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't watch them, but I might, I might just to be like, like see if I can get like any more information, which I doubt I'll get. I, I bet it'll be more of the same, but I don't think something, there's something we, we discussed during the shining and I can't remember why I wanted to bring this up, but I'm going to, and maybe I'll remember after. Uh, homeboy uh, Fauci made a movie that was released in America called Zombie, like Z-O-M-B-I. And uh, I guess Day of the Dawn or Dawn of the Dead was released in Italy under that name, (laughs) Zombie, Z-O-M-B-I. And instead of changing the name to to his film in Italy, he just listed it as Zombie 2, <laughs> which <laughs> is, I guess you can just make a sequel to whatever you want in Italy. Probably. It sounds very Italian. Yeah, it's just like, just like slap a number two on it. People will know this one's different. <laughs> It's fine. It has nothing to do with Dawn of the Dead at all, that, I guess, except, to me except is... there being zombies, which I know Fauci didn't want. He didn't want to do a movie about zombies, but they were like, they're so hot right now. You got to include zombies. They're, they're so and, hot right now. <laughs> yeah. And so he had to include like a version of zombies in this film. So maybe that's also why it was kind of like, why are these like people walking around? That's funny. Don't remember how that connected to The Shining. I mean, who knows? But yeah. What what would you rate this movie, John? Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no offense, obviously, but um Are you telling me no offense? Yeah. Don't worry about John. I know what I picked. I'd say like maybe three. I knew you weren't going to like it. I know that even when I watched it, I was like, that's a lot of Igor. What is this movie even about? I'd say three toes. All right. That's solid. That's exactly what I thought. Well, no, I thought you were going to give it two. So that's higher than I was expecting. I liked the house. I would have. I liked the house too. I also. I like the ending too. Want. Like while watching while watching this, and I while also watching um, Bly Manor, and uh, Hell House LLC. I was like, I know Bly Manor isn't a hotel, but I was like, that's a lot of rooms, and I wonder like how well I can just like refurbish like an old abandoned hotel that probably has like seven rooms. You know, like, or something, like, small, considering, mm-hmm. for a hotel. And just, like, you know, like, have those, like, creaky painted floors. Oh, yeah. I could do it. I'd be, I'd be down for that. Oh, yeah. I'd love that. I mean, but I'd be worried about it being haunted after okay, watching all these haunted fun. hotel movies. I actually did watch um, The Changeling from, like, 1980-something. Oh, not the Angelina um, Jolie one where her... Uh, 
Her son isn't her son? Yeah. No, 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 not that one. No. Wait a minute. What did you say? No. No, I, I, I knew what you were talking about. Yeah, you're, you were watching the, With, the horror um, film. The, spook, the spooky film. Uh, God, what is that guy's name? He's in a Stanley Kubrick film. And this is the only other movie I've ever seen him in. Uh, shit. Scott. No, Scott. Scott is in the name somewhere. Um, shit. George You're C. talking Scott. about George C. Scott. Thank you. He was in Doctor Strange Love, of course. Um, <laughs> which is the only movie <laughs> I've ever seen him in. So I was like, oh, he's in another movie. That's not, I know he was very famous for being Patton in the movie Patton, but I never saw that. Um, so this was the only other movie I've seen him in. And I was like, oh, look at this. He's doing a movie about go sees. Um, it started off pretty solid, but then it's just, there's no, there's very few haunted house movies that I have enjoyed very much. Because I don't think anybody does them correctly. Stanley is close, but his is a hotel. But I think his was pretty fucking good. Like that was, that was fun. Um, he also had a lot of space yeah. to work with. And it didn't feel like like I'd be afraid to sleep there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like haunted house stories like are places where like you like I would be afraid to sleep. I think that was part of the the interest in the shining being what it was. It's like cuz even the shining hotel the show, the, the hotel that in, inspired the shining is more like the hotel in this movie and the beyond like it's a smaller building it's not like very big um mm -hmm. and it's a creaky floor kind of hotel like it's old wooden structure so for the shining stanley kubrick envision to be in this massive hotel space it kind of was it, it was fascinating because you're in such an a huge space but you're isolated from everyone else in the world so yeah it's like it, it gives you a very in the weirdest way it's a very lonely feeling yes yeah, yeah. oh it's, it's creepy i would be creeped out being in that hotel even if it's, yeah. if it's big i mean i'd still sleep because i'm creeped out by everything but um but yeah it would be creepy and i would definitely not wander around at night probably very much i said that when we were watching blind blind my manner I was like, that girl like the first thing she did was walk up in the out in the dark in the halls of this house and I'm like hello girl why are you doing that like even me loving these old houses and shit I wouldn't do that I would explore it during the day <laughs> when there's plenty of light <laughs> I mean yeah, maybe when I felt more light. comfortable and then I could go to the kitchen and get food in the middle of the night or whatever which is probably something I would do but no no thank you no creeping around in the dark yeah it's it's not mm -mm. Mm -mm. nope no you stay put <laughs> so i would give it five toes i think oh my god that's a lot of toes isn't it i mean you're i think gonna, it's I still think fun some of those toes off I like I'm at like a 4.5 to 5 because I still think it's fun <laughs> I still think um like I still dig like I don't think the effort put into stylizing it you know much like Hubert you know long lingering shots 
<laughs> These are not the same. <laughs> oh my gosh, but okay. <laughs> yeah. That's and funny. I liked the ending. Yeah, like, I, I really like the ending of it. And like and I think I'm like, "Oh, all right." So like I think like when I watch it, it's a little bit of groaning and then at the end I'm like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> so yeah. I think I'm going to stick at 5. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's got one full foot. Oh my gosh. You only got a partial foot from me, ma'am. Um, <laughs> you're not getting all my toes. Um, so what is next week? I forgot already. Um, tell the kitties, the footsies. The footsies? Oh, what are we watching next week? Yeah. Um, next week is going to be... Uh, Carnival of Souls, 1962, which is oh. streaming on Criterion. I and... feel like, didn't I, oh no, I was, Peeping Tom was on two different things. But I do think Carnival of Souls, just in case, and I'm almost 100% certain about this, is on HBO Max as well. Oh, um, okay. It's in there, because uh, you know how they have like a whole bunch of things, Um we gave Cartoon Network and categories. Sure. I think it's Turner Classic Movies, maybe, that they have. Or maybe it's AMC. It's Or not AMC. Um, whatever. I don't know. It's one of those classic movie channel type things that they have the rights to. Anyway, Carnival of Souls, I believe, I'm almost 100% certain, is also on HBO Max. If you yeah, look So for check it. out HBO Max for Carnival of Souls. Or Criterion. Or Criterion, and then uh, Peeping Tom, which I think is one of my favorites. Yeah, I love that. It's a good like. One. This is where we. Well, you haven't seen Carnival of Souls yet. I have not seen Carnival of Souls, but, I have but seen you have seen Peeping yes. Tom. Yeah. So yeah, so su I'm super pumped. I'm oh, super and pumped about talking Peeping about Peeping Tom, Tom is on uh, Amazon Prime. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. I'm pretty sure it's also on Criterion, though. It is. Yes, they put it on. It there. was released on Criterion. Um, blu-ray but only in the uk yeah that was rude because i was mad about yeah that. i've been looking for it for a while even like a uk version like i'll get I like think, a like a i think they did one. release it on dvd way back yeah i'm not trying to get that dvd no, 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 i know i know i know it's that 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 thing is filmed in technicolor <laughs> and this is a this yeah this is a pal and pressburger technicolor so this is it's special there's something very special about their their yeah. particular uh, technicolor films they were excellent at making them and i feel <laughs> like i mean to be honest i think they're the go-to for technicolor if you want to watch a technicolor film watch a pal and pressburger film because it's spectacular and how beautiful it is yeah and we will discuss that much further in yes. further detail next week Next Terror Tuesday. <laughs> and in the meantime, you dudes and dudettes can reach out to us on our social media, One Foot Podcast, on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook's going to be One Foot on the Ground, and then you can email us at onefootpodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. All right. And then that's it. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. Ha 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 ha